0: From Chicago, welcome to 3Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry.
1: just get somebody to get people to send us parts and we can talk about them and we can kind of do a show and and like I, i i don't know maybe i'm remembering it wrong i'm not sure our idea was more sophisticated than that but but um as you get into really genuinely and authentically talking about what additive is accomplishing and what this part that we're holding really means then you get into the culture aspects of it and the disruptions that it led to what would you add to that stuff
2: So, yeah, it was it was a really basic idea at the beginning. We had just kind of started doing um, cell phone videos at trade shows, like standing in a booth and just talking about uh, whatever it is that that they had on display that was really cool. Um, And these were like, you know, one and two minute videos. And so Pete came to me with this idea that what if we got people to send us their parts and, you know, we could do like these little cell phone videos.
0: That was Pete Zielinski and Stephanie Hendrickson. Pete and Stephanie are responsible for some of the most in-depth and nuanced coverage of the added manufacturing industry through their cool parts show and added manufacturing media. They joined the show today to talk about the evolution of the 3D printing industry and some of the trends they are seeing in the space. Before we get started, head over to www.3degreescompany.com and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, you can listen to the show anywhere you download your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or Stitcher. Alright, Pete, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, why don't we kind of jump right in and have you both kind of share a little bit of introduction and for the listeners who may not be familiar with some of your work, just kind of let's start have a jumping off point to, to get going.
1: Uh, hello, audience. Pete Zielinski. So, um, I am editor in chief of of additive manufacturing uh, media, additive manufacturing magazine, um, and we speak to manufacturers about this big transformation that's happening as 3d printing finds more and more um practical solutions for what manufacturing needs to accomplish um and we we talk about that all kinds of ways um and i'm here i'm here with stephanie and we're kind of recognized as co-hosts of the cool parts show which is a which is um uh, an offshoot of of additive manufacturing media that we launched and and its its name sort of describes what it is um we find cool successes, um, 3D printing applied to production, and we talk about it. What it means, um, what the impact is for manufacturing, and it's all—it's the result of people who have have reached out to us wanting to talk about their parts. A um, little bit about my bio. Um, so I've I've been writing about manufacturing technology for a for a long time. I um, I am also editor in chief of Modern Machine Shop magazine um, from the same publisher as additive manufacturing and that's the leading publication on um, CNC machining. I've been, and I I started, I didn't, I, I, I joined that magazine very early in my career and um, for over 20 years I've been writing about machining related technology and um, um, so uh, it was. It proved to be a great platform for talking about the way now this very disruptive technology is affecting some of those same circles I've been writing about, and affecting other circles in manufacturing too.
0: And how did what what was the the starting point with manufacturing? Was it something you had a passion about? Was it something that uh, you kind of happened into? There was an opportunity. Found it interesting. Yeah. It-
1: um, yeah. Um, so, Mike, ask me that again. Let Stephanie introduce herself because I'm about to tell a long story there. So,
0: sure. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, why don't, why don't you start and I'll jump back to Pete?
2: Sure. Yeah. So, I'm Stephanie Hendrickson, um, senior editor of Additive Manufacturing Media. Uh, so, I work with Pete there. Um, co host of the Cool Part Show. I'm also a co ambassador for the chapter of Women in 3D Printing here in Cincinnati. Um, and I met Pete through, through Modern Machine Shop. Um, I got hired there as an intern back in 2012, came on full time as, as an editor. Um, and then about six years ago, had the chance to join the additive manufacturing team um, and just kind of never looked back. So my, my job now is to tell stories uh, of people using 3D printing um, to, to change their businesses, to launch new products, um, to do all kinds of great things. And like Pete said, we're doing that through through the magazine, through articles, um, through social media and through video. So um, it's been uh, not, not a field that I imagine myself in, but I really, really enjoy being here.
0: Awesome. So Pete, with kind of your start in yeah. kind of writing and kind of reporting on on this space was manufacturing always your initial focus or did you have some <laughs> other way that you kind of stumbled upon it?
1: Right. So a lot more stumbling. Um um in junior high, I was in an industrial arts class, and I really was not comfortable with it. And I, I remember, like the, I remember, like when I that came to an end, I am done with metalworking. I'll <laughs> never have this as part of my life again. Um, I uh, I went to college, and so I I've always been interested in writing, and and even as a as a as a teenager, it was sort of a hobby to to. Um, see if I could sell articles as a freelancer to magazines. Like, so that's like, I was that strange variety of nerd. Um, uh, I went to school, I went to college and I studied engineering and I mostly got, and mostly sort of got talked into, like, you can't make your living as as a writer. And I'm, I'm good at all the math and science, everything we call STEM now. And so I studied engineering in school and I ended up working in a, in a co-op position with what is now GE Aviation. And I was working in machining laboratory. And we, we, among other things, we did a lot of testing of cutting tools. And I I looked at cutting tools under microscopes and I um, uh, wrote reports about them. Um, 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 But what I saw through my through my experience with General Electric, in part, was aspects of what an engineer does that I thought I wasn't really comfortable with. It's a lot of engineers um, focus focus oftentimes on very narrow and specific problems, and um, in particular, as as the as sort of the entry level position I would have been going into. And this, meanwhile, I feel like this writing thing was just completely unanswered, and and I sort of abandoned engineering just as I was getting my degree in it. Um, and I sort of was scratching around looking for how do you make your living as a writer? writer and I discovered a, uh, a, a, a public relations firm, a marketing agency that specialized in industrial clients. And they loved finding me because I was a writer who understood all of the manufacturing technology. And, 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 and Engineers, it's it's not necessarily the case that effective communication is is part of their forte. So so I I ver so you say stumble. I accidentally Put together this very wonderful um, um, set of a set of knowledge and proficiency circles for myself, and sort of my whole career was launched off of that. Um, I'm fortunate enough that the, the city I live in, Cincinnati, is where Modern Machine Shop is published, like the very, very best magazine to talk about machine tools and machining. I got to know them, and I got hired there when there was an opportunity, and and um, so so yeah, I did not set out to get interested. I did not set out to pursue manufacturing, but that my writing led me into manufacturing and now into additive manufacturing boy I feel so privileged particularly now I am I am I am right in the midst of things changing that I know are going to be historic uh, a decade from now many aspects of our world will be different because of what additive manufacturing is able to do and able to produce and Stephanie and I are seeing it seeing it happen now like strange things will become part of our world in five years and we'll see it now and we'll sort of under we'll see it on the leading edge of it and no why it's happening Um, uh, the effect the sort of hidden effect that manufacturing has on all of our lives um, that's about to become not so hidden and it's pretty cool it's pretty cool because I've spent this whole career trying to explain to people what it is I write about and I that and it's and it's very hard to to come across but but now um, 3d printing and what it can do it's it's exciting
0: so over for both of you kind of over the course of your career like you're covering this kind of manufacturing technology added manufacturing technology, uh, kind of your, your magazine and even the cool parts show, like there's different ways. I imagine that you're thinking about kind of reaching different audiences, right? Like I'm an engineer. I got your magazine on my desk. I'm going to read it with kind of a different skew than some others may, if they're kind of thinking about getting into the space or kind of looking at evaluating the technology, like, how do you kind of what's your approach when you think about telling stories and communicating to different audiences about the technology? Do you have kind of a, a framework in mind? I mean, you have different media kind of ways to do that as well. Kind of, What's your thought process there?
1: You got this,
2: Stephanie. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, you're absolutely right because we are writing to people who are already involved in additive, people who already know the technology, they're using it in some capacity, but we're also conscious of the fact that a lot of our readers have not purchased a 3D printer, don't use 3D printing, aren't really sure if it's for them um, and are kind of trying to feel that out. And so um, I think, you know, the the magazine and, and the website is probably more for the people who are already involved in it, the people who are running the machines, making the designs, have already bought into it, to a certain extent, not, not completely. Um, but we see things like the Cool Part Show as something that is a little bit more accessible and a little bit more out there um, for people who are just exploring 3D printing, trying to understand what it's capable of, You know can you really 3D print an implant and put it in somebody's body? Can you really 3D print a pair of shoes that's gonna be worthwhile, like that sort of thing? Um, And so that's kind of become our avenue for exploring the really, really cool applications that allow us to sort of teach people um, what 3D printing can do, where it's headed, uh, why you might wanna also get excited about it and start to use it for your own business or for your own product. Do you wanna add anything to that, Pete?
1: Yeah, yeah, like like so Stephanie went right to the place my thoughts went to is um the 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 biggest distinction we face is is um um current users versus those who are right on the cusp of it. Um and and we have to be we have to be engaging both both. And in a lot of ways, uh those manufacturers who aren't using it yet are the are are maybe the most important part of our audience because um uh, we have a chance to help them um, shape some pretty important choices they're going to make as they begin to embrace the technology. When, once you once you embrace one one additive one additive modality. Um, then there's there, a lot of momentum results from that, and 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 there's there's a course there that you're that you're that you walk through, and in fact, the recognition of that is sort of is is sometimes what what causes delay in additive adoption. It's this there is so much choice; it is such a broad range of technologies. Um, so, so it's it's not it's not like speaking to an established space in manufacturing. It's um, you know speaking to speaking to manufacturers. About a wave of disruption, and that wave might have might have washed over them now, or it or they, it might be one they see coming. Um, but but how to talk about that? It it creates some challenges. It, I mean, it creates a lot of opportunities for 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 connections and outreach too. Um, then it's, and it's the reason for the Cool Parts show. It's, it's sort of the it, is the, it is the flag we wave high trying to find those people. A, a whole other part of that too that we need to talk about is people coming to manufacturing who aren't necessarily manufacturers today. Um, 3D printing capabilities are so accessible that today's inventor with a great idea could be next week's manufacturer and, and other manufacturing technologies don't necess- don't don't operate in that way um, don't have such low barriers to entry so our very definition of what a manufacturer is is going to change and and we're open and receptive to that too and recognize that our audience in part includes those kind of people as well
0: I imagine too like so many of your stories have so many different angles whether it's a cool part show or some of the articles in in the magazine that whether you're in food manufacturing or clothing or heavy industry and aerospace, right? Like there's nuggets that you can probably take out of that are transferable, right? Whether it's conformal cooling or increasing production time or increasing uh, prototyping costs or whatever it may be. And like the, I've always found it as communicating different case studies or talking to people like the, the industry sometimes feels so broad that, like, where do you kind of narrow it down so that what you're communicating has resonance with someone that, like, that may not be in the same industry? Or like, how do you make that like first connection point to say, okay, like, okay, that's going to click. Like, that'll make sense in, in, in what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Do you get? Do you ever find that? Do you ever kind of wrestle with that as you're kind of working on on some of your stories and 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 videos?
1: So totally. Do, did you want to? Do to take that stuff?
2: I, gonna, I mean, I was gonna say it, it wrestled with it. Yes, definitely. Um, especially like, I feel like in the time I've been working um, working with Pete on additive manufacturing, like the, the types of stories that we are telling have gotten much more diverse and there are just so many different um, end markets and industries and and as people was saying, like different people coming into manufacturing that five or 10 years ago would never have thought they were making a product. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure of the, the way that we consciously deal with that. Um, but I, I think as, as you were saying, Mike, that there are commonalities across different industries and across different um, markets like that. And I hope people are able to find kind of the, the lessons that transfer across these stories.
1: Additive manufacturing is the... Broadest manufacturing technology category. Um, but in terms of the sweep of the material possibilities it takes in, the sectors that it affects, and, and even the range of. Of technology options, when I mean, if you say three D printing, you're actually talking about an array of different processes, many of which function very differently than the others. Um, the kinds of commonalities, and you, you, Mike, you mentioned some physical ones, things like like conformal cooling and and like so so things like lead time reduction and assembly consolidation. There's all that. The bigger and more more compelling commonalities have to do with culture change and, and enterprise reinvention. Um, so, so. Um, just the way you think about what manufacturing is and where it fits into the process has to change because the designer is so much more plugged into the to the manufacturing process and, and realizing the the full benefits of additive manufacturing requires sort of an, an an inter an iterative and ongoing relationship between the designer and the producer. And and so um, Ultimately, how you think about, so how you think about um, quality and validation has to change, perhaps fundamentally. How you think about aftermarket service is going to have to change. Um, how you think about the, um, the opportunities for niche variations in your product, that, that door opens up and that's a real opportunity you have to explore. And so People way beyond the manufacturing engineer get affected by this, and and that's that is the commonality we see throughout all these additive adoptions. That, that um, it's as it's as as we say often, it's it's not a manufacturing strategy, it's an enterprise strategy. And then beyond the enterprise, there are the customer relationships. and 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 if there's if there are a couple of really big things that are that are holding additive manufacturing at bay and 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 thresholds that we're waiting for it to cross it's different variations oftentimes of just the chicken and egg challenge of um, the manufacturer wants to develop more additive capability but the customer's not quite designing parts yet that are fully um, that are fully ready for additive and and one of those things has to advance to allow the other one to advance and um and that 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 barrier will break, um, but but there are different conversations with the customer and 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 things things the end user has to be learning in tandem with the manufacturer.
0: For sure, and I imagine within kind of the cool part show is if you had a number of episodes now, you've gotten like you start with kind of the the idea of the part and kind of its function, but you kind of get this full story of kind of what the the concept is, and then how can you kind of build in this enterprise story as well? And hopefully, and, and can you tell, like, what was, as you kind of kind of visualize this, um, this show, like what, where did that come from? What was kind of the thinking? Was there something that like, like, Hey, stumble, like we should be doing this or like, that was awesome. How did we share this? Like, where did it start? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it was It's kind of organic. Um, um all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this, Stephanie, and give you time to think so you can answer better than me. <laughs> But but so an example, Mike, of the of kind of I think what you're a recent example that comes right to mind. We just we very recently within the past several weeks posted an episode that had to do with a custom made shoulder blade, a replacement scapula for a patient, and you know all of us who are at all familiar with the industrial promise of three D printing recognize tailor made customized implants as as a promise of this. You can you can use Use CAT scan data to get exactly the geometry you need, and 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 additive makes it really practical to make a custom implant. But it's not exactly that easy, um, and part of the part of the difficulty is that just the whole workflow and and production system isn't set up to allow for that. We we um, we we make we make implants in one place and then we perform implant surgeries in another place. And these are two different types of disciplines. Well, to get that, to to realize that success, and it was a complete success, with this replacement scapula, it required the surgeon involved to become part of the manufacturing process, and and he was and he was communicating with the engineers about what he needed, and the engineers were getting giving him feedback about what was possible, and and it worked very well. And in part, it 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 was built on the relationship that this one special surgeon had with a, a special engineering company. But it offers a glimpse of, for example, the way orthopedic medicine is going going to change. Manufacturing and surgery are going to knit closer together because to realize the possibilities of additive. And so how does that happen with the Cool Parts show? I mean, I mean, the original vision was, was so simple. It's just, um, it, you know, I'll just to, to lay it totally out there. Um, it began with a renovation of our building where we do our work in uh, the, the building got renovated in. And as part of that, we got a studio and, um, and we had, just uh, the company had just hired hired Austin, who's the invisible part of our team. Um, Austin, our producer, is um, he's totally indispensable to the Cool Parts show because he puts such passion into it. But so it, hey, we've got a studio now, um, so we're already doing video out there in the field. Why don't we just get somebody to s- get people to send us parts, and we can talk about them, and we can kind of do a show. And and like I, I I don't know, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I'm not sure our idea was more sophisticated than that. But but um, as you get into really genuinely and authentically talking about what additive is accomplishing and what this part that we're holding really means, then you get into the culture aspects of it and the disruptions that it led to. What would you add to that stuff?
2: So, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was a really basic idea at the beginning. We had just kind of started doing um, cell phone videos at trade shows, like standing in a booth and just talking about uh, whatever it is that, that they had on display that was really cool. Um, and these were like, you know, one and two minute videos. And so Pete came to me with this idea that what if we got people to send us their parts and, you know, we could do like these little cell phone videos. Um, he had to sort of talk me into the idea, and then once Austin got wind of it, he was super on board and we all just kind of collectively decided, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> um, and I think it's it's turned out to be a really powerful uh, way of talking about additive manufacturing because, you know, we can talk in generic terms about, yeah, it's possible to 3D print a, a medical implant, and yeah, you could make it custom to the patient, But actually having that replica in the studio and saying, you know, this is exactly the same as the implant that is in somebody's shoulder right now. And here's how we got there is such a more powerful case study. And it's um, just a really good way for us to illustrate what the technology is capable of beyond even what we can do with an article with some really nice images. You know, because we get to actually talk to the people who were involved, the people who designed it, the people who made it, in some cases, the people that use the part that's that we have there in the studio. So, um, you know, I had to kind of be be talked into it at, at the beginning, but I'm really glad that we went forward with the show and I'm glad that we get to keep making it.
0: This might be seem like a weird question, but do you think the cool Park show would have worked five, six, seven years ago when the industry was a little bit early on and kind of it was a little bit more niche than it is now, more widespread?
1: Five, six years ago, we would have been talking about prototyping a lot more. We would have been talking and, and even tooling would have seemed like an, an, an edgy leading edge application. Things have changed so fast. The Cool Parts Show is about production. I mean, we talk about end use parts. And um, so from that perspective, I'm not sure it would be doable. um, and I and I guess I guess even the even bigger difference to talk about end use parts like you're talking about things that either are or are coming very close to directly touching the life of even like a, a, a even a, a regular viewer outside of industry who might be watching it like yeah we're we're holding a car part here like this is like Ford 3D printed this um, we're um, Stephanie's wearing a pair of 3D printed glasses uh, so. Um,
2: it's so like on that note, like Pete said earlier in the conversation, it, it used to be difficult to kind of explain to people what we do for a living and, and what it is that we're writing about and describing. Um, but like there was the, the Oprah interview a couple weeks ago with Harry and Megan, and it came out that Oprah was wearing 3D printed glasses. I went to the eye doctor this week and I had to hand over my glasses during the exam and the eye doctor picks them up and says, what are these? These are the lightest frames I've ever seen. And I, and I just said, you know, they're 3d printed frames. I got them from this company fits frames. And he just said, Oh, that's really cool. And like, just sort of accepted that like, yeah, of course you could make glasses frames with 3d printing. That's not weird or or strange at all. That's really neat.
0: For sure. And can you, as you are doing so many different projects and you've got them, the magazine, the cool parts show, like for both of you, I mean, you can kind of take team on this. Like, what's an average day or average week look like when you're kind of compiling all the the information and kind of talking to to people, getting the stories together? Can you kind of talk about that?
1: Tell sure. us <laughs> about your day, Stephanie.
2: Well, so in in pre-COVID times, there probably would have been um, some travel. We probably would have been trying to get into facilities and and meet people that way, and you know, literally drive away with the part in the car, uh, which is kind of the ideal situation. <laughs> um, now that most things are remote, we are doing more more communication through email. We're kind of having our initial conversations with um, the subject matter experts through video calls. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we're seeing the part for the first time when they're holding it up to the camera and, and telling us about it. Um, but in the course of actually putting together one of these episodes, uh, Pretty much the first thing that we ask is can we borrow your part when can you send it you know when can we get it um in some cases we will travel to where the part is so we just did an episode with um, additive engineering solutions in akron that does the big area additive manufacturing we had to actually go there and we sat inside the printer because the parts were so big <laughs> um but yeah so figuring out how we're going to get the part um we'll do video interviews with everyone involved um to to get kind of deeper into, into the details. Once we get close to actually putting an episode together, Pete and I will sit down and kind of do like a freeform scripting session where we talk out the points we want to go through and, and how it's going to proceed. Um, and then we'll actually go into the studio and and record. And that can be a really fast, easy process, or that can take... <laughs> a couple of takes on different things. Um, and then it's just a matter of, of working with Austin to get the B roll in and to make sure everything's flowing the way that we want it to. And um, yeah, some of these things come together really fast. Some of them have a lead time of months or or even, I think we have one in the works right now that has been in the works for more than a year. So um, yeah, yeah, it varies.
1: Yeah, that's so that's that's well said. Like you, you asked the typical day or typical week and and it's more like, you know, so, so we're in media. So like we have, we, we just have all these plates spinning all at once and all the, all these projects in various stages of completion all at once. And, and so that's, and, and Stephanie described um, the sort of processes we go through for the cool parts show. Then there's the magazine and, and we, we sweat through all the things you might imagine we would on a magazine or think, Oh, what are we going to put on the cover? Um, and this, this article we want to run, they haven't sent photos yet. And, and um. Um, we, you know, we want to run three stories and and only have room for these two and and you know, things like that. Things like that. Um um, so COVID has made it weird because because travel and and getting out there is is a big part of our work. But particularly in additive, um we're we're very um we're uh we're blessed to have had uh, the the kind of access that we've gotten to have to a a lot of places. And there there are all kinds of opportunities where there are things happening that are just, they're proprietary um, or they're still under development and and we simply can't go public with them, but people are happy to talk to us off the record and and let us see. And our ability to get in and, and see that kind of stuff it allows us to speak more confidently and knowledgeably about just the state of the industry and where things are at and and make good calculations about where things are headed and and so that's like that has there there's been a a certainly a disruption to that and and we're we're looking forward to that part of the work going back to normal i mean we're we're looking back we're looking forward to getting to To um, industry events too. Um, So, so all that, all that is part of our work too, that obviously hasn't been, hasn't been going on in the same way. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a big part of our, a big part of our work starts with um, finding out about and making contact with uh, a manufacturer who is who is benefiting who is starting to benefit and making significant changes as a result of their transfer their transition into additive and. Um, Uh, getting to learn about that stuff is is some of the very best parts of the job and and it leads to all these other things um, things stories we can tell in the magazine and and yeah as Stephanie says if if we drive away with the part then then an an episode of the cool parts show
0: and how much of your both the cool parts show and some of the other writing that you do with with the magazine comes from kind of the conversations that you have either on the record or off the record or kind of your internal thesis that you're trying or hypothesis that you're trying to prove out or suss out like how much of, of kind of your content generation is is directed one way or the other or is it kind of varied
1: depending on the topic oh that good stephanie i'd love to hear you speak to that
2: um i I would say, I think, Pete, actually, you might have a different answer. I would say most of mine is coming from conversations that I'm having and, you know, the the events and, and the travel that I'm able to do. Um, and so I find myself mostly telling stories about those manufacturers that are that are finding success, that have have good case studies um, of how 3D printing has helped them advance their business or build their business in the first place. Um, and then I don't spend as I don't spend a lot of my time kind of doing the advanced advancing a thesis kind of writing. Um, but I do find myself kind of I think once once you immerse yourself in a particular topic for a while, you do start to form those hypotheses and start to see the shape of something. Um, for me, the, for the last year, actually more than a year now. I've done a lot of writing about sustainability, and I've talked to a lot of companies who are thinking about how 3D printing can be more sustainable or how it can allow businesses or industry be more sustainable. And so um, I've done a little bit of writing on that front, just the ways that I think they're going to play together and um, arguing basically arguing for companies to think about supply chain and sustainability and additive manufacturing all at the same time because all those things go together. But yeah, most most of the things that I'm writing and working on are kind of coming from those those more specific conversations.
1: It's our coverage is a um, it's sort of an exercise in noticing things and. uh, we When we put out an, an, an issue of the magazine frequently when we can, we like to find a theme for the issue. like we, we notice um, a couple threads are coming together in parallel and we then we start to explore what else relates to that thread. And um, like my favorite example of a success in this, and it's it's been over a year ago now, but but we did an issue about robots, and we just did an issue about how the interconnection between 3D printing and robots, and there's a lot of interconnection. Uh, ro- robots are an are an enabling way to do additive through material deposition, but but 3D printing is making robots better too because of the possibilities for end effector tooling, and and. And um we just found a lot of different flavors of 3D printing meets robots. And 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 so um so the stories that we find are really interesting, but also these really great synergistic stories we discover, I think, through, through working together and kind of comparing notes on the things we're seeing about, about ways different applications are adding up to something, something really big and transformative out in the spaces we serve.
2: Yeah. I think- oh, go ahead. I mean, I think an important note on the themes there is that they're never forced. It's always organic like that. It's that we're, we've, we've found five or six different, inf- um, different instances of robots in 3D printing working together in different ways. And so let's organize an issue around that. It's not that we start with that idea and go hunting for those stories and trying to, to fill you know, the boxes. It's, it's always kind of coming out of the, the trends and the things that we're already seeing organically.
1: That's right. And this, this space is, is changing so fast. I would, I would hate to too rigidly commit to a thesis that like that, that, that might make us blind to what's actually happening.
0: Absolutely. i love for both of you to, to answer this next question, but uh, Pete, I loved how you kind of described, I like to term it the, those white nondescript windowless buildings on the side of the road that have all this cool stuff going on inside of it. I mean, that's kind of the, the theme of this, the show is to kind of, illustrate some of what's going on there and um for those who are listening or kind of in the midst of kind of thinking about their career transition or starting their career um what are some of your observations for areas of opportunity within the additive manufacturing space that you see either companies struggling struggling with to to get good talent or like opportunities like hey like if if you know how to do this, like you can work anywhere. Like are there specific things that or advice you could give to to people who are kind of going on that path and looking to to figure out what their their niche might be, what their expertise might be in, in starting in the space.
1: Right. Um So I guess a couple thoughts. Um, and, and you're, you're asking the question, like specifically focused on people very young and, 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 um, um, just contemplating a a career path ahead if they're, if they're sort of STEM, STEM inclined, um, is additive. Yeah, it
0: could be, it could be both. I mean, even we've heard a lot of folks that are just listening to this from kind of manufacturing background and like their company's not doing additive yet, but they see kind of the writing on the wall. And I think there's, there's both ends of that. Like, I think either, either one, I think is, um, is interesting.
1: So I guess my thought um, additives for real. So this isn't like this, this isn't a a fluke or something that is being um, overstated because um, there are, even though um, the relative impact of additive right now within, ad, within manufacturing at large is, is relatively small, um, there are enough established proven cases of, of additive delivering um, delivering on its promise and delivering real transformative success um, to, to illustrate a clear way forward for additive. And, and, um, the biggest factor holding back adoption actually is just the success of existing established manufacturing processes, um, and those are continuing to advance too. Um, but additive is a manufacturing technology that is um, the promise is so the promise is so different and so disruptive compared to what we're accustomed to with conventional manufacturing that. Uh, even when the argument is made, and even when the argument is solid, trying to implement that in parallel with an established manufacturing process that is going fine, um, there's, the, uh, there's not necessarily an easy way or an easy opportunity to do that. So frequently it's 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 new products or, or greenfield applications that allow for, for additive to be the choice. But in so many of those, when there's a window of opportunity to commit to additive, we, we see the commitment additive so so frequently um, so for the for the young person you're describing um, there is a career here and it's a different kind of manufacturing career because there's not necessarily a, a, a defined path Forward, um, but certainly there are there are companies uh, very hungry for for talent and leadership and and advice in this area to help them to, to help them to help them make this transition for manufacturers thinking that the writing is on the wall um, the the writing is on the wall, but I mean, that, and that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily to um, a threat. um, Yeah, it's it's not a threat. It's not a threat. Um, but it, there, if you feel like your production process is probably going to end up there, it probably will. And, and, uh, The challenge is the technology is still changing and changing quickly. And that's a legitimate reason to pause. Um, But the counsel I'd urge is is to find a way into it today and now and find a way to commit to it now. Start start making mistakes and start start, um, absorbing the kinds of mindset and culture change that it asks of you. Uh, because because there is there is kind of a curve there, and it, and it is there is some steepness to it, and the chance to ascend that curve now, so you're in that much better place when when maybe the the full crest of this wave comes. Uh, I, I think I think that's a worthwhile commitment of energy.
2: Yeah, I think what I would say from from the people we've talked to and the things that we've seen. I really don't think there's a bad way or a wrong way to go about it (laughs) getting into the industry. Like, we talk to a lot of those established manufacturers um, that are trying to find ways of bringing 3D printing into their processes. And it's always like a question of well, does this displace this thing that we already have, this process we already have in place, this tooling that we've already bought? Um, and so like newer products like electric vehicles and that sort of thing are gonna be probably where additive ends up being used more. Um, but at the same time, we talked to lots of startups. We talked to people who have come into 3D printing with totally different backgrounds. I've done interviews with people who work in construction, who work in architecture, who have studied dentistry, um, You know, just kind of coming into 3D printing from these different, these different angles. Um, And so kind of to Pete's point, you know, we talk a lot about this idea of like the AM advocate and for 3D printing to succeed in a business, there's got to be at least one person, hopefully multiple people who are really going to champion it and try to drive it forward. And so, um, yeah, like finding that mindset, figuring out um, what the figuring out how to argue for additive manufacturing, figuring out the realities of additive manufacturing, Um, But I would also say, you know, 3D printing is not going to be the ultimate solution for everything. It's not going to take the place of all machining, of all molding. Um, And so I would say it's probably just as important and valuable for people who want to get into additive to understand those other processes, too, and be able to make good decisions when you're trying to decide, okay, should we really 3D print this part or this product? Is there a better way of doing it with with an established process? Um, and I think that's just going to make you a, a stronger, um, a stronger advocate for additive in the end, if you can understand the different possible options and, and choose the best one for each case. Absolutely.
0: I think that's, that's great advice from, from both of you. So kind of last question for the day before I let you both get on with your busy schedules. Um, kind of what's on their horizon? What, what are you excited about Kind of, in the coming months and the coming year, um, both in the Cool Parts Show or, or other kind of iterations on top of that or other events that are coming up?
2: Yeah, so um, I'll jump in here. We are going to be hosting our Additive Manufacturing Conference and Expo in Cincinnati in October. Um, and along with that, we're going to be running something called the Cool Parts Showcase. So this is a a contest attached to the show um, where we're asking people to send us some photos of of cool parts that they're making, um, whether that's a production product that they're they're selling, um, whether it's a one-time unique solution to a problem um, or just like a proof of concept of of something they're trying to make. Um, We are gonna be collecting those entries through August 13th and then choosing finalists If you're a finalist you will actually get to come to the conference display your part for everybody attending and uh, the winners are going to be chosen by popular vote and we are going to film episodes with with those winners so i'm really excited about that Um, and if anyone listening is is interested you can find all the details at additiveconference.com
0: awesome and we'll post all that as well when we post this episode too thank you perfect well thank you both for uh coming on the show today um hopefully we'll see you in person sometime soon in the, the coming year and uh we uh look forward to kind of hearing more from from the cool part show i religiously read the magazine every time it comes out and uh we'll see you in cincinnati later this year terrific sounds right. good we'll see you there thank you so much
2: thank you